keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. Now here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain, so good to be on with you. Praise be to God. It is Monday, January the 10th, 2022. Congratulations, you have survived it. You made it through the weekend. Praise be to God, you get to get back at it. Just imagine what you will accomplish this week. It's going to be a great week. God is so very good. So uh, welcome back to the program. We're going to have a great show for you today. In fact, we're asking the deepest, most profound question in a generation, I would say. Is tech and social media making Gen Z the dumbest generation known to man? That is the question on the table today. And uh, we're going to have that conversation with Dr. Mark Bauerlein. And I say that with tongue in cheek, right? Of course, he did write a book 10 years ago asking this question, essentially. And he has followed that book up with a brand new book that's about to come out uh, from Regnery Publishing, uh, the Dumbest Generation Grows Up by Dr. Mark Bauerlein. It's sort of a follow-up to this book from 13 years back. And we're asking the question, has tech, digital platforms, the connected generation, is it making them smarter? Uh, we're going to have that conversation with Dr. Mark Bauerlein coming up 35 past the hour. There are so, several stories in the news that are of great concern, of course. Dr. S- uh, rather, Dr. Cardinal Supich got booed over the weekend. That's kind of a story. Uh, did you hear that Bob Sackett died? Yeah, America's dad. Well, that's a, a crazy story. And then, of course, Sidney Powell, uh, his, or Sidney Poitier, rather, his story came out that he passed away at 94. I think it was on Friday, if I wasn't mistaken. 19 dead in New York City at an apartment fire. Kind of a crazy story there. So lots of stories to jump in on this week. Plus, breaking news and stories with Rudy. And then we have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day. It's going to be a full lineup. So join us if you can for all or at least part of it. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. Praise be to God. One week. Well, is this your first or second? Is this your like now you're in week two? It's pretty much week two, I uh, would say. As a native Texan now? As a Texan, yeah. Yeah, praise be to God. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. It's exciting. Uh have you had you've had you've had barbecue already, right? Uh yeah. I've gone to Rudy's out okay. uh in Katie's. So we so checked that box. Good. Tacos. We had tacos. We had tacos. So tacos, barbecue. You had you did try the what a burger brand. I did, and uh, I'm happy to say that uh, they've increased in rating for me. So, Have they? Uh, I, I took people's advice. Uh-huh. I, I tried a specialty burger, not okay. just a plain one. So, so you you are you are revising your previous recommendations. I give them I give them a five score. They're a solid good burger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Speaking so. of uh, revised scores, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you. My heart Adrian. is breaking. <laughs> it is, yeah, you know, it's, it is good to be here despite the fact that Rudy hates all that is good about it. In spite of it all. Despite the fact that uh, that Rudy hates uh, mm-hmm. the Whataburger and thinks it's a 5 out of 10, well, uh, it's still going to be here. Here's a deep, profound question. Who wants water in their burger? No one. Maybe that's no one. why it was so bad the first time. It was cooked in water. <laughs> yeah, like, like not a good idea to have water in your burger. Big cringe. Big cringe. Big cringe. <laughs> no, but praise be to God. It's good to be here. And uh, we're still within the octave of the epiphany. Praise be to God. Uh, so let's keep up the uh, the Christmas spirits. And uh, I'm excited for the uh, the ending of the 
epiphany season. So there we go. We got a little bit of way to go before that, though. Yeah, we have a ways to go still. Praise be to God. Uh, But we are going to, like I said, have a great show for you today. Good morning to you, Patty, our friend of the program, Lori and Doug. It's good to see you guys hanging out with us already. Paul from Buffalo, good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us already this morning. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, We're looking forward to our our time together. Of course, in the second hour of the show, for all of those that are able to join us in the second hour, we have a great time. We not only share good news story with you, but we also have a game show called Fear and Trembling where prizes are at stake. We have a news new prize offering for you this week. So if you want the information on how that works, how you could possibly win, go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT, and you can uh, click on the uh, Fear and Trembling Game Show link. It'll take you where you got to go, teach you all the rules, plus give you the phone number and when to call. All that coming up in the second hour, plus our after show where we conversate with you about whatever's on your heart. All that comes up in our second hour. For those of you that are able to join us, you can hang out, if you wish, live on our website. We live stream there, plus on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Odyssey, I uh, LinkedIn. We cross-post to a bunch of other platforms as well. Everything is linked up on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Good morning to you, Kim Thunderman. Good to see you again. Let's pray. Let's dive in. Let's pray for your needs, dear listener. Whatever is on your heart, we're going to ask Our Lady, Queen of Heaven, to pray for you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy, hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your breaking news with Rudy Carlos. Good morning. Thanks for tuning in to Catholic Drive Time. I'm Rudy Carlos. And now your headline news this morning. The Hill reports Russia sees risk of talks with U.S. ending quickly. A Russian official on Sunday said it's possible that talks between the U.S. and Moscow will end quickly as the two countries prepare for high-stakes meetings in Europe this week. U.S. and Russian officials are scheduled to participate in talks early this week in Geneva. The two countries are then slated to participate in a NATO-Russian Council meeting in Brussels on Wednesday and huddle at the Organization for Security and Cooperation in Vienna on Thursday. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Ryabkov, however, is now saying discussions could break down after the first meeting. He says, I can't rule out anything. This is an entirely possible scenario, and the Americans should have no illusions about this, Ryabkov was quoted as saying in Russia's state-owned RIA news agency, according to Reuters. Ryabkov also reportedly said that Russia is not prepared to make any concessions. Naturally, we will not make any concessions under pressure and in the course of threats that are constantly being formed by the Western participants of the upcoming talks, he was quoted as saying. Moscow has demanded that the U.S. and NATO reject Ukraine from becoming a member of the alliance in addition to asking that NATO scale back its military deployments, two requests that have been rejected by the U.S. and allies. And the Blaze reports, this is a funny story, UPenn transgender swimmer, swimmer Leah Thomas, that's not his name, defeated by transgender swimmer from Yale, and Breitbart reports Antifa counter-protest at March for Life Chicago. Hundreds of pro-life activists gathered in Chicago at Federal Plaza Saturday for the March for Life Chicago rally in March, as a group of abortion rights protesters attempted to shout them down. 
One American news network reports Jerusalem church leader says Israeli extremists threatened Christian presence in city. The Greek Orthodox Patriarch of Jerusalem has accused radical Israeli groups of threatening the presence of Christians in the holy city and remarks that Israeli officials rejected as baseless. In a column in the Times of London on Saturdays, Beatitude Theopolis III said he believed the aim was to drive the Christian community from Jerusalem's old city, which has sites sacred to Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. Israel captured East Jerusalem, including the old city, along with the West Bank and the Gaza Strip in the 1967 war. It annexed East Jerusalem after the war in a move that was not won international recognition. Our presence in Jerusalem is under threat, the patriarch wrote in the article, published, published a day after the Greek Orthodox celebration of Christmas. Our churches are threatened by Israeli radical fringe groups. At the hands of these Zionist extremists, the Christian community in Jerusalem is suffering greatly, he said. Our brothers and sisters are the victims of hate crimes. Our churches are regularly desecrated and vandalized. Our clergy are subject to frequent intimidation. A U.S. State Department's report published last year on so-called religious freedom around the world said Christian clergy and pilgrims continued to report instances of ultra-Orthodox Jews in Jerusalem harassing or spitting on them. And Sky News reports Novak Djokovic wins Australia visa appeal, but government could still deport him. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. The saint of the day is St. Peter Ursulus. Born in 928, he was a Benedictine hermit. He was also known as Peter Orselio. He was a member of one of the most noble houses of Venice and at the age of 20 became an admiral in the Venetian Navy. After a series of successful campaigns against the Dalmatian pirates, he was elected Doge of Venice in 967, supposedly securing his elevation by poisoning his predecessor Peter Candinia of the Fourth, as was charged by St. Peter Damien. For two years, Peter ruled with consummate skills, assisting Venice to weather a series of political crises. Then, without any warning, when without informing his family, he disappeared from Venice. And he secretly entered the Benedictine Abbey of, of Suxa in the Spanish Pyrenees. There, he devoted himself to a life of severe austerity and asceticism. He was working as a humble sacrist until St. Roland suggested that he become a, a hermit. He lived alone until his death in 987. St. Peter Ursulus, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then they left their nets and followed him. He walked along a little further and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat mending their nets. Then he called them. So they left their father Zebedee in the boat along with the hired men and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. The Venerable Bede said, Repent, therefore, says our Savior, and believe the Gospel. For if you believe not, you shall not understand. Repent, therefore, and believe. What advantage 
is it to believe with good works? The merit of good works will not bring us to faith, but faith is the beginning of good works. Close quote, Venerable Bede, pray for us. You know, there. Uh, this morning I was uh, reading this, and I was this, the, the thought struck me how often, I even saw some of the commentary in, in um, the Haydock and Ignatius commentary, sort of pointing out that Jesus, uh, you know, calls these fishermen, you know, these people who were not wise, these people who were from a class that was definitely uh, under or lower than that of the scribes and the Pharisees, uh, to in order to show through this, the, this humble segment of men uh, to confound the wise. And that's, that's true, I get that, but at the same time, these guys weren't dummies. John's family was connected to the highest family in Israel at the time, and that was Caiaphas and his house, that John got Peter into Caiaphas's house for the trial of our Lord. Uh, so there's a good connection there. You think Caiaphas is going to be friends with a bunch of dummies? No, these were businessmen. They're smart, they're savvy, they're hardworking, blue-collar possibly, but they're not ignorant. And I think that's important for us to remember. Um, the Ignatius Catholic Commentary also points out something that I, I, I find absolutely true and fascinating as well. And it says, although David's empire soon collapsed for a brief time, it foreshadowed the glory of Christ's reign over the tribes of Israel and other Gentile nations. The international kingdom of old is now resurrected and transfigured in the church where Christ rules as David's rightful heir, enthroned in heaven. I believe, and I've said this, uh, the Davidic kingdom is the interpretive key to truly understanding how the old is fulfilled in the new, as St. Augustine would point out. I'd, I've done many talks on this. I've led Bible studies on this, showing how it's seeing the Old Testament, the model in the Davidic kingdom is applied to uh, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And you find that in Luke's gospel, the Annunciation narrative, it is laid out very clearly that uh, Our Lady would give birth to the Messiah and he would inherit the kingdom of his father, David. And when you go back into the Old Testament and you look at that, you find it is, it is so true to see why we have 12 apostles, why we have one that is prime above the others, why we have a queen mother, the Gibirah, why do we have the sacraments? I mean, you see that laid out, hidden in the old, now revealed in the new, and David is the interpretive key to that, so it's a very powerful insight. But also in this passage today, these disciples, when called, left everything behind and followed him immediately, no hesitation. They left behind their worldly possessions and businesses to follow Christ. Are you that brave? Am I that brave? Today, let's be that courageous and let's leave everything and follow him. We'll be right back. Kind of drive time of what's concerning us is up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. Are you worried about the war on Christmas? Don't be. G.K. Chesterton says Christmas is the irresistible festival for those who are afraid to be festive. It is the spectacular festival when almost everyone lives and acts poetry instead of just a few people writing it. It is the ancient festival, a trinity of eating, drinking, praying, that to modern seems irreverent because the holy day really is a holiday. No matter what happens, says Chesterton, the great majority will go on observing Christmas Day with Christmas gifts and Christmas benedictions, 
and they will continue to do it. And suddenly, someday they'll wake up and discover why. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org. Hi listeners, Sean here. Join me in this short meditation on the birth of Jesus from Luke's Gospel, chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. And the angel said to them, Be not afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy which will come to all the people. For to you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. On behalf of all of us here at the GRN in South and Central Texas, have a blessed Christmas celebration. May God bless you and Mary smile upon you. Amen. be to God. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McLean. So good to be out with you. Praise be to God. Good to see our friends hanging out with us uh, this morning on our live video feeds already. Sci-Fi Mike and, and the crew over at Odyssey, good morning to you. Praise be to God. Buddy, good morning to you. Thanks for hanging out with us today. It's always good to see you. Gloria and uh, Doug, good morning to you. Melanie, good morning to you. Praise be to Jesus. Uh, thanks for hanging out with us on our live video feeds today. Coming up at 35 past the hour, we are going to have a conversation with Dr. Mark Bauerlein, senior editor at First Things, about his book that's pending. It's a follow-up to a book he put out 13 years ago about the dumbest generation. Uh, the title of this book is called The Dumbest Generation Grows Up. So we're going to have a conversation about tech and the digital uh, brave new world, how that is impeding uh, Gen Z. So that's coming up. There are, as I say, several stories in the news that are of great concern to me. And I am sharing my desktop there, Adrian. Uh, here's a good story that's followed up from we something we reported last week. India, this is out of the Pillar, thepillarcatholic.com. India restores missionaries of charity foreign funding. Hmm. The government of India has restored to the missionaries of charity a license which permits the religious orders Indian provinces to receive funding from foreign sources, including the orders provinces in other parts of the world. Praise be to God. That's good news. They were on the uh, they were at great risk on the verge of having to possibly leave India. Could you imagine the order founded by St. Therese of, of Calcutta having to leave their this very country? It seems rather and strange to me. So this is good news indeed that they have been uh, restored. Praise be to God for that. Cardinal Supich was booed and heckled by some at the Chicago March, March for Life rally over the weekend. This is reported out of Catholic News Agency, catholicnewsagency.com. It says, an otherwise peaceful March uh, for Life event in Chicago on Sunday turned contentious when some in the crowd booed and heckled Cardinal Blaise Supich during his speech at a rally at Federal Plaza. Supich was escorted away by security personnel after speaking uh, according to the Chicago Tribune. Approximately one minute into his speech, Supich, who wore a mask at the outdoor rally, elicited a ripple of boos when he started or when he shared words of support for those he saw in the crowd wearing masks. Quote, you know, we come here in these days of the pandemic when life is threatened. And I'm so glad that I see many of you wearing masks. I hope that you continue to look for ways in which we can end this pandemic by promoting life. It's really important to do that. Unclose quote, Supich said. Hearing boos and shouting from some in the crowd, Supich then added, quote, Now I know you people. There are some in the crowd here who don't respect the unborn, and that's too bad. But let me speak. Let me speak. Unquote. 
Uh, apparently, there was a video of this incident. I'm not sure what the unborn had to do with, with the uh, promotion of the masks. But at any rate, uh, Cardinal Supage being booed over the weekend. There is another piece of good news, I would say, that came out uh, this morning. I saw the report. But I think it came out either Friday or I think maybe late Friday. So you might recall several months ago, we actually covered this story, how the uh, FDA was, was supposed to put out the records of how the mRNA vaccine came to be. All of their records, they're supposed to make them public. And basically what they said was they would put out 500 pages per month and they would need about 75 years to make that happen, to make all these documents happen. They, they argued, hey, it's, a, it's an overwhelming process. We have to redact a ton of information that we don't want the public to know. And we, that takes personnel and time. So we're committed, they said, to putting out 500 documents per, I think it was per month. Uh, and they needed 75 years to get all the information out. Well, uh, good news, the FDA has been denied this. And a judge has come out and said, no, 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 I'm sorry. The public needs to see this information. You have an obligation to do so. So you're instead of putting out 500 documents per month, you're going to put out 55,000 documents per month. It went from 75 years down to like eight months. So praise be to God, that is a very good piece of news, in my opinion, because with all of the information about, uh, about these uh, vaccines, why don't we have that transparency? It, it makes very little sense to me why we would not have transparency. If everything is on the up and up and there's no issues and it's all good, then what's to hold back? Let the people see what's going on. And, and 55,000, do you have any idea how long it's going to take people to rifle through 55,000 pages every single month? I mean, who's got the time? I, journalists will try to do this, and they'll try to pick out the things that are important. But at the same time, it's going to be a mountain of information, overwhelming, and it'll still take years to truly process. It's kind of like the WikiLeaks thing. It takes years to kind of go through these things. But I, I find this good news. Praise be to God. Um, we want to see this information sooner uh, rather than later. I mean, we're still waiting on the JFK stuff to completely come out, the assassination. So let that sink in. Here's another story that was crazy over the weekend. Uh, this, the Blaze reports, uh, theblaze.com. Mother charged with endangering a child after COVID-positive son found in trunk of car at testing site because she wanted to prevent herself from getting exposed, according to court documents. A little bit of the article. A Texas mother has been charged with endangering a child after her 13-year-old son was reportedly found in the trunk of her car while she was in line to get a COVID-19 test. A warrant has been issued for Sarah Beam, a 42-year-old teacher at Cypress Falls High School in the Houston area, according to the local television station. Beam took her 13-year-old son to a drive through COVID-19 testing site uh, on the 3rd of January, according to the court documents, quote, a CFISD employee who was gathering information from people in line said Beam told her the boy was in the trunk because she didn't want to be exposed to the virus, close quote. Wow. Uh, could you imagine locking your own son into the trunk of the car because you're more afraid of the of the, of the virus? The article goes on to say, citing charging documents, 
The local television uh, station reported, quote, Beam said her child was in the trunk because they had previously tested positive for COVID-19 and as a result wanted to, quote, prevent herself from getting exposed to possible COVID while driving the child to the stadium for additional testing. Oh, man. Get in the trunk, Billy. We're going to go get tested. <laughs> I mean, you're infected. So uh, I can't have any part of that. Like, it's just, it's. It's, it, what, it's infecting our minds, if anything. It's infecting the way we think. It's, in, it's infecting the way we treat uh, other people. We don't see people as human beings anymore. Instead, we are seeing them as, oh, well, Justice Sotomayor said in this uh, Supreme Court case against uh, OSHA, um, they're basically like machines, like machines that spit out sparks. Infected humans are, are, are like machines that spit out this virus. And so she took great exception to that, to the point where she even began to misquote uh, the stats in regards to children. So misinformation is affecting this poor teacher and the way she thinks of her own son. And it's affecting the Supreme Court justice in the way she sees the, the gravitas of the actual problem that she's supposed to help rule and judge upon. This is an article out of the Epic Times uh, Supreme Court Justice Sotomayor fact-checked over false COVID-19 claim. Supreme Court Justice Sonia Sotomayor inaccurately claimed that, quote, over 100,000 children, unquote, are in, quote, serious condition, unquote, because of COVID-19, sparking a rare fact-check of the Obama-appointee judge as some have accused her of spreading misinformation. Sotomayor made the remarks on January 7th while hearing lawsuits that were filed against the Biden administration COVID-19 vaccine or test mandate that would force private businesses with 100 or more workers to require them to be tested weekly or to get the vaccine. Quote, we have hospitals that are almost at full capacity with people severely ill on ventilators. We have over 100,000 children, which we've never had before in serious condition, many on ventilators, quote, quote, she said. However, according to the CDC, uh, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, when Sotomayor made those comments, fewer than 83,000 children aged 17 and younger had been hospitalized for COVID-19 since August of 2020. Like, the total amount ever is less than the number she states, let alone the actual number of people in the hospital now. Article goes on to say, currently, about 3,342 children are hospitalized with COVID-19. That is massively less than what she, what she thought. And I, I bring this up to point this out. The misinformation around all of this is leading us to tear each other apart. It's leading to greater division and animosity than anything. How is that helpful for society? You know, the FDA trying to ask for 75 years to release all the details about how the mRNA technology came to be in a vaccine. We're forcing people to get the jab or lose their job at the federal level, at the, uh, at the, at the private sector level. And we have a Supreme Court justice who is wildly off in her facts. Even the CDC director has to, has to correct her on that. Even Anthony Fauci last week or the week before said on national television, yeah, the, the hospital reporting of, of kids is inaccurate. They are, they, are, they are fudging the numbers a little bit. 
So we're seeing this misinformation being passed around, and it's affecting the way people think, like this mom who is a teacher locking her 13-year-old son in the trunk of her car because she's deathly scared of the COVID. 99% of people still survive it, as far as I know. Now, I'm not saying it's not serious, and there aren't serious implications. Of course there are, and you should have these conversations with your doctor. Absolutely. But the reality is the stats are showing that the the, the disproportionate response seems to be worse than the actual problem. And that continues. That's a, a psychological issue that I think is continuing in society that we need to continue to pray about and to uh, – that's, I think, to me, what the biggest issue of the day that we must solve is getting people to step back, to take a deep breath, and to take a, a, a nice sober look at the reality of what's going on in front of us, because what we're seeing is seemingly absolutely bonkers. So there's all of these stories in the news today about that. And of course, Sotomayor went on to have other kind of wild comments in, in the question and answers that went on in the hearing, I think it was on Friday, in regards to this case. And it might look as though the Supreme Court will rule against OSHA. And I honestly, I hope that's the case, because seeing all these people lose their jobs over these mandates is absolutely bonkers in my book. So we're going to be praying about that for sure. Of course, uh, the loss of life in New York is very tragic. 19 dead, including nine children, after a fire rips through a New York City apartment building. Apparently a space heater was involved in this, in the start of this. I don't, I'm not totally familiar with the details, but let's keep them in your prayers today, all those that are going to lose their life uh, in accidents such as this. It's a very tragic situation. When we cram people into these city centers in such massive quantities and high volumes, um, when bad things happen, they happen to a lot of people. So let's pray. Let's pray for peace. Let's pray for the conversion of centers around the world today and for a civility in mind, if not in action, against those that we disagree with. All right. Praise be to God. We're going to go to break. We're going to come back, have more breaking news and stories with Rudy Carlos. And then our guest is going to be talking about Gen Z. Dr. Mark Bowerling joins us to talk about the dumbest generation yet. All that's coming up next. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says that it is in the old Christmas carols that date from the Middle Ages that we find not only what makes Christmas poetic and soothing and stately, but what makes it exciting. The exciting quality of Christmas rests upon a great paradox, that the power and center of the whole universe may be found in something very small, a baby in a manger. And it's extraordinary to notice how completely this paradox of the manger was lost by the brilliant theologians, but was kept in the Christmas carols. The songs recall the main point of the story, that God once ruled the universe from a stable, and that the hands that made the stars were too small to reach the huge heads of the cattle. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Howdy, this is Adrian Fonseca wishing you a Merry Christmas from the Catholic Drive Time team. A brief meditation on Christmas. The Virgin adored him saying, O Lord, you indeed have come from heaven to earth for the salvation of men. I adore you because as God you are my creator and as human you are my son. Joseph adored him saying, O Lord, you have granted me such a grace. Kings and prophets wished to see you and they did not see. But to me, a sinner, you have given such a grace that I should see you. 
Merry Christmas and God love you. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here's your headline news this morning. New York Post reports Nancy Pelosi makes millions off tech stocks and scoffs at push to ban congressional trades. Nancy Pelosi is scrambling to quash bipartisan efforts to ban stock trading by congressional lawmakers, even as she and her husband have raked in as much as $30 million from bets on big tech firms Pelosi is responsible for regulating. Late last month, the House Speaker disclosed that the Pelosi scooped up millions in bullish call options for stocks including Google, Salesforce, Micron Technology, and Roblox. At the the same... Some insiders say she has slow-walked efforts to rein in big tech. Days later, Pelosi brushed off worries over stock picking by lawmakers claiming that it was part of a free market economy, comments that made Democratic insiders blood boil, people close to the speaker told The Post. Jeff Hauser, a self-proclaimed progressive Democrat and founder of the founding director of the Revolving Door Project, said stock picking by elected officials gets worrisome about whether legislators have access to insider information or whether their stock purchases will consciously or unconsciously impact their policymaking. Epic Times reports judge gives FDA just over eight months to produce Pfizer safety data. A federal judge on Thursday ordered the U.S. Food and Drug Administration to produce, at a rate of 55,000 pages per month, the documents it relied on to license the Pfizer BioNTech COVID-19 vaccine. The rate of 55,000 pages a month could mean that the FDA has just over eight months to fully produce all of Pfizer's pre-licensure safety data. That is much faster than the 500 pages per month rate the FDA proposed in December 2021. That rate would have effectively given the agency roughly 75 years to fully produce the data. Aaron Siri, a lawyer working on the case, previously observed. And Breitbart reports India blocks and restores foreign funding for Mother Teresa's order. The Indian government has restored the Missionaries of Charity to its list of associations approved for receiving foreign funding after suspending the order's license on Christmas. Media reported on Christmas Day that the Ministry of Home Affairs had decided to revoke the order's license to receive donations from abroad, citing adverse inputs, a decision that would have made it almost impossible for the group to continue working among the poor in India. On Sunday, local media reported that the government has restored the Foreign Contribution Regulation Act registration of the Missionaries of Charity less than two weeks after it was revoked. The Catholic Religious Congregation of the Missionaries Missionaries of Charity was founded in India in 1950 by St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta, who gave her life in serving the poorest of the poor. Under the government of Narendra Modi, however, closely aligned with the Hindu nationalist RSS movement, the order has come under pressure that some say borders harassment. In mid-December, the Missionaries of Charity were investigated for allegedly proselytizing Hindus, a crime under India's freedom of religion laws in many parts of the country. On January 3rd, India's Defense Department evicted a group of missionaries of charity from a children's home in northern Indian state of Uttar Pradesh. The Defense Department claimed that the home was on government land with a 90-year lease that expired in 2019 and threatened the sisters with a fine of over $250,000. And heavy reports Bob Saget dead. Star dies, but cause of death unclear. And those are your headline news this morning. God love you. Praise be to God in all things. Uh, thank you, uh, Rudy, for keeping us up to date. Uh, we're supposed to have a conversation with Dr. Mark Bauerlein, uh, who is a senior editor over at uh, First Things. He had a book out, came out like 13 years ago, about the dumbest generation, which is, is actually quite good. I, I like the title. 
And, you know, back in back in those days, I think it came out like in 08 or something like that. Um, back in 2010, the average 13 to 17 year old with a mobile device sent more than 100 texts per day. That's 3,339 per month. And uh, I'm quoting here from, from some of their PR work here. It says, they should have issued grave proclamations of dismay and commanded parents to seize these tools immediately. When the Kaiser Foundation reported earlier that year that 18, 8- to 18-year-olds averaged 7 hours and 38 minutes of media consumption per day. Um, what I find interesting is I looked up this morning uh, a stat from stat from stat statista statista.com that's s d a t i s t a uh, now since 2011 according to their website uh, data it has gone up to 495 minutes are spent uh i th- i think this is per day if i'm not mistaken uh yeah per day 2021 stat 495 minutes per day spent on media uh, so it is going up. It's going in the wrong direction. And to have a conversation about his follow-up book, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up, From Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults, Dr. Mark Bauerling, good morning to you. Thanks for being on. Hello there. Thank you for having me. Praise be to God. It's good to have you. Now, uh, 13 years since the original uh, book that has come out, uh, do you feel vindicated? Do you, Have you corrected anything? What are your thoughts, just on a general level? Well, unfortunately, I'm I'm very sorry to say that it's actually worse than I predicted. Uh, the 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 new tools that have come about, the acceleration of consumption of screen time, uh, they're 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 off the chart that I was looking at in in 2008. And as you say, the minutes just keep going up. And if you look at surveys like the the American Time Use Survey, you know, you would think that when the kids leave adolescence, they'll get some better habits. But when we look at 30-year-olds now, which is where the millennials were 15 years ago, uh, their reading time hasn't gone up. The leisure reading they do is still about six or seven minutes a day on average. So it's it's not as if the the screen time is an adolescent feature. The damaging thing for them is that the screen time hit them so hard during the years of formative education, Mm. when you really need to get a little of that exposure to history and politics and religion, of course, and great books good music, good movies. And that has to come in during those ages as a counterweight to all the peer pressure, the social contact, the youth culture that now is, is just a tidal wave for them starting in those in those aught years. It's something that had never happened before. I, I'm, I'm Joe, you, I'm not sure how old you are. I'm, I'm 62, but you know, when I would go home in 1975, and go into the front door for dinner, social life was over. There was one phone in the house, it was called a landline, and you actually had to turn a wheel, you know, with your finger. Uh, there was one TV in the house. There were five TV stations, that's it. And and so, you know, I had to sit over dinner and, and I didn't want to do this, but I had to listen to Walter Cronkite 
I had to hear people talk about something called Watergate. And you know, I couldn't tune out. I couldn't check out. With the digital tools, they could go upstairs and go into their bedroom and open up to the social space once more. They could shut out the adult world of the parents downstairs and do youth time, youth world all night long. They could sleep with the cell phone right next to their pillow so that if an Instagram or something comes through, it'll, it'll wake them up at one in the morning and they can, they can respond. Uh, they still watch TV with heavy hours. The, the TV time didn't go down very much at all. They could have multiple streams going, the video game going, the new iPhone, texting, Twitter had, had come out in 2008. So the options just keep proliferating. And, and, and then, Joe, one thing to remember is that Silicon Valley wanted this to happen, wanted our kids to get hooked. They hired experts in psychology and neuroscience in addiction yeah. and attention. They wanted the kids because the more time the kids are hooked, the more money they make. They don't let their own kids get on these tools. Steve Jobs famously didn't let his kids get on the tools all the time. They send their kids to the Waldorf school in Silicon Valley, which is low tech. They know what these tools do to adolescents. They don't keep them away, but they sure they sure flood our kids with them. Dr. Barlin, you stole the, uh, the uh, question right out of my mouth. I was going to ask you, maybe you could elaborate a little bit more about the addictive quality of this tech that is developed and um, how it affects a developing brain. You know, as a, a teenager, your, your brain is still developing. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Well, I'll give you an example. You know, I'm, I'm a simple example. LinkedIn will come up on, on your, your, your page and it'll have all these suggestions for you for people to link with. And it looks at your profile. It might look at your school, the school you attended, and maybe find other people who attended that school. Might find a link you have with someone and someone has some friends, connect you to that people, and you're building a network and it shows pictures of these people. And you go, wow, I remember her from, from, from sophomore year. Look at her now. And it's, it's a draw. And the thing is, if you scroll down, it'll give more pictures. Keep scrolling and adding more photos, more suggestions. It'll go on forever. You can go look. You can, go look. You can be stuck on that screen. And it's, it's, a, it's a draw. The temptation is strong. They know how to build uh, these things. And, and that's an adult thing. With the video games, they key the video game just to a level that's a little hard. If it gets too easy, the video game will get harder because you br the brain wants that challenge. Mm. And, and then it wants to triumph over that challenge. And so they do the pacing of these videos so that they match what the brain most wants to have to get that, you know, dopamine rush. Hold that thought. Hold that thought, Dr. Mark. Bowerlein is our guest. We have to go to a very quick break. We're going to come right back and continue this conversation about the dumbest generation, the adverse effects of tech. It's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says that it's become a bad habit in our society to celebrate Christmas before it comes. We've forgotten the glory of anticipation. 
the presents should not be opened until Christmas. That, of course, is part of the excitement. And while we know the gifts are coming, Chesterton reminds us that the best kind of gift is the surprise gift. And if we have the right perspective, we should look at everything as a gift and every gift as a surprise gift. We are happy to wake up on Christmas morning and find gifts in our stockings, but the best gift we could ever find in our stockings is our own two legs. Want more than a minute? Visit our website, chesterton.org. Hi, this is Robert Dominguez, General Manager for the Guadalupe Radio Network, West Texas, and New Mexico listening areas. As we approach the most beautiful season of the year, I would like to take this opportunity to thank each and every one of you that helped in some way or another keep Catholic Radio on the air. I pray that you have a very beautiful Christmas season surrounded by friends and family. And as we gather with our loved ones, may we be forever thankful. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time. Keeping you informed and inspired, I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be on with you. Uh, Dr. Mark Bowerly, uh, editor at First Things, a former professor at Emory, uh, joins us to talk about his forthcoming second edition book. It's coming out, I think, in February from Regnery, The Dumbest Generation Grows Up, uh, From Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults. Over the break, uh, the team and I were talking about all kinds of questions we would love to chat about it. I don't know that we're going to get to all of them. Before the break, uh, we were tying into sort of that dopamine psychological manipulation that happens on social media. I've definitely been seeing a lot of that. But uh, I kind of want to tap into real quick, uh, as a professor, I've heard you talk about this in some of your lectures uh, and interviews. Um, you're seeing these kids come from uh, from high school into college, and they are ill-prepared. They are underwhelming. They are not they are not where they need to be, and that seems to be the standard. But it also, I would ask, and I want to get your opinion on this, it seems to me college has been happy to dumb itself down to meet them down at their level rather than try to bring these people up to their level. The hijacking of, uh, of college these days, what would you say about that? Uh, let's be clear that more and more higher education regards 19 and 20 year olds, not as students, but as customers. And the university is conceived as a brand. And it's a marketing thing. They've got to recruit students. One thing people don't realize is universities compete feverishly with one another. You know, I, I was at Emory. Emory would like to compare itself to Vanderbilt and to Duke and, and, and Tulane. And if Vanderbilt's application pool gets bigger and Emory's doesn't, doesn't Emory's admissions office goes ape. We gotta do something about this. This is, this is the thinking. It's very much of a commodification of education and the money is so massive. There's so much money pouring into these schools, passing through them, the endowments that the schools are sitting on. Harvard's endowment is what now, $45 billion. Wow. It's the biggest one in, in, in the world. Um, but it, it, it really is a change that you see down into the undergraduates. You know, when I started in 1990 teaching at Emory in English, 
you've always had a few bookish kids in class. They were a little offbeat. They weren't so caught up in grades, but they were curious. You know, if, if you'd mentioned an author in class who wasn't on the syllabus, that student might go read something, buy that offer, and then come into your office and talk about it. That bookish kid, gone mm. at this point. The students are much more instrumental about their education. They're thinking in more career terms than in formation terms. And I, I think that I'm going to come back and, and pinpoint something dear to all of us, and that is too many of these kids were raised without religion, without faith, without any any real transcendent horizon for their lives. And so education is much more about immediate experience and career plan. They're not thinking about their spiritual development, their aesthetic development, the cultivation of a, a moral life and a life in which prayer is a daily component a life in which they are relating to the father or the son any religion well we'll just we'll just say this and it leads them to regard the rest of their lives in again instrumental terms the higher calling isn't there and we know the the, the phenomenon of the nuns it's pretty heavy among the millennials. Uh, it's not that they're atheists. They're, many of them call themselves spiritual, but they have no real, mm. real spiritual life. They don't go to church. They don't worship. They don't pray. There's just some hazy, you know, therapeutic idea for them. This is an awful thing that we have done in our society to the young to raise them without God, to raise them without immersion in the Bible. Every home had a Bible. Every word that Abraham Lincoln ever wrote had King James somewhere, somewhere in the back of his mind. Martin Luther King, the Bible, it's everywhere in the greatness of the American past, but not in the 21st century. Mm, yeah. This this is this and, and again this was a terrible thing to do to young people and it's part of letting them dive into the screens letting them immerse themselves in one another and not step out mm. and we know the times when Jesus has to say I must go off by myself I must go out in solitude I must be alone and of course, he's not alone. He's communing with the Father, among other things, but he's getting away from others in order to, you know, to reorient, right? To ground. Kids don't do this. They don't want to be alone. They don't want the solitude. They don't want to face the bigger realities, surround themselves with friends. When Mark Zuckerberg says the goal of Facebook is so that no one ever has to be alone ever again. What an awful thing to do. Part of growing up is learning to be alone. Hmm. And one of the things that really helps you be alone, one of the things that got Robinson Crusoe through 
Mm. His isolation on that island was the presence of God. What a terrible thing not to give to the young. Dr. Bowerlin, you know, this, I mean, there's so much there, what you said. We have about five minutes left in our conversation and uh, just a million other questions to ask. But uh, real quickly, you know, we were talking about this in related to spirituality. And I think that's incredibly insightful because of a number of things. One being, I talked to friends of mine, I'm 23 years old, my friends would range around that age as well. And we, uh, and we're talking about how there is a lack of ability of young people to meditate and to pray. It's uh, difficult. And that's one of the reasons why I love the rosary, because it starts bringing us more and closer to being able to actually start meditating on these things. The great saints have talked about at 30 minutes of mental prayer every day. We talk about these kind of things that's happening and it's in people are become incapable of it. And that's one of the reasons why there's a huge movement of young people going towards the Exodus 90 movement. But the question I have for you uh, it is uh, that, you know, so many people say, I cannot pray. I cannot read. I don't have, I have, have ADHD. I have ADD. I'm not able to do this. I have some kind of mental disorder. And so I'm incapable because of my brain. I'm not able to actually do these kind of things. Is that true? Or is it just that we're getting zapped by technology and we're just, and our attention spans are just destroyed? Well, I think I think both both sides are are true. The technology is demanding their attention all the time. The phone buzzes, you know, the screens are on everywhere. You can't find a quiet spot in an airport anymore. <laughs> it's awful. But I would add that prayer is something that you have to be taught to do. I think I think sometimes young people say that, well, really, I need to get into the whole mode the whole mental attitude with God before I can pray. No, here's what I want you to do. I want you to say 20 times in a row on your way to school, Lord, I am not worthy. Say, say the, the, you know, the whole lines. That you should enter under my roof, but only say the word of my soul shall be healed. Lord, I am not worthy. Just say it 20 times and count it. All right. Do the ritual. Don't worry if it sounds mechanical. Don't worry if it seems like it's just an empty rehearsal. Just do it. Mm. And you will find, right? You will find that that practice, the activity will lead you into the frame of mind that you you expect you should be in before you can even start to prayer, to start, start to pray. So just go through the motions and the miracle is that the motions will have a genuine effect but they have to be taught young people have to be taught to do this and too many parents just checked out you know yeah for sure the thing is they hit 30 years old and they're not satisfied they're unhappy that's the thing about the millennials they are bitter disappointed They feel like life hasn't turned out the way they thought it would because they thought that life would be that utopia of the 15-year-old bedroom. That's not reality. There are disappointments, difficulties, and you need need grounds. Mm. You need support. You need faith. You need trust in something bigger. And that's 
what we didn't give them. We have about uh, a minute and a half left in our conversation. And with that, I guess I want to ask one last question. Soon this generation will be in charge of the nuclear arsenal. What are your thoughts? I'm, I'm, you, you know what I'm going to say. I'm, <laughs> I'm worried. I'm pessimistic. The anger we see with millennials is leading them into utopian visions of, of socialism and Black Lives Matter, Antifa in more extreme cases. They are angry at America and they're incapable, again, of, of handling difficulty like the election of Donald Trump. They were, they were traumatized by that. And they didn't get to win every time. So the worry is that they don't have the equipment yeah. to handle adversity. Mm. They can't say mercy, mercy, mercy. No. Lord help me. We all remember the memes of the crying with the loss of Hillary Clinton. Uh, We are out of time, though. Dr. Mark Bauerlein, uh, he's got a book coming out in February from Regnery called The Dumbest Generation Grows Up from Stupefied Youth to Dangerous Adults. Check them out at their website at Regnery. But Dr. Bauerlein, thank you for your time today. God love you and God bless you. Thank you, sir. All right. Praise be to God. That's going to do it for hour number one of Catholic Tribe Time. Thank you all for joining us. We're very grateful to you. If you are able to tune in for the second hour, we would love to have you. Praise be to God. You can always just join us on our live video streams. If you can't get us on the radio, go to our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT to watch live or to find the links. Otherwise, we'll see you tomorrow morning. God bless you. God love you. Have a great day. uh, Share us with a friend. We'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. want to thank you for being a beautiful part of the Guadalupe Radio Network family of listeners. Sammy Rodriguez Jr. here, your business manager, and from my family to yours, Merry Christmas. May your heart and soul be filled with the love, joy, and peace that only our Lord Jesus can bring. Always remember that He is truly the reason for the season. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Christmas Minute. G.K. Chesterton says, All comfort must be based on discomfort. What's that supposed to mean? It has something to do with the fact that we celebrate Christmas in December. It is the feast in the middle of winter. We are choosing to be joyful at the very moment when the whole material world around us is most sad. We are defying cold death outside by celebrating life inside. And that's why there's nothing more comfortable than a blazing fire in the middle of a blizzard, and why we bring a green tree inside and decorate it and talk of good cheer in the face of darkness and death. 
tidings of comfort and joy. Because all comfort is based on discomfort. Want more than a minute? Visit us at chesterton.org. Merry Christmas from the Guadalupe Radio Network family. I'm Tim Mott, the general manager of the GRN station in Houston, Texas, KSHJ. Christmas is a time for family. My family has already made a gingerbread house and eaten it on the same day. The dog knocked over the Christmas tree and we bonded watching our favorite Christmas movie. But even if your family isn't a source of joy for you, remember that you are loved by this GRN family and by the Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. Merry Christmas. Welcome to your Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about Him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information from the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic Drive Time. Now, here's your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm your host, Joe McClain. So good to be out with you. Praise be to God. Good morning, Monday, January the 10th, 2022, and you have survived the week and you made it through. God is so very good. And you get to go back to work or school or your to-do list for the week. I mean, just imagine what you're going to accomplish. It's going to be a great week. Praise be to God. And we just wrapped up a good conversation with Dr. Mark Bauerlein about his forthcoming second edition of his Dumbest Generation Yet book, which was a hit back in... Uh, I guess it was 2008, 2009. Well, he's got a new one coming out and updated all these years later. Was he right? Was he wrong? And, uh, uh, you know, we we had a fun conversation about that. So that's going to be posted to our social media, uh, all the medias, right? Like Facebook, YouTube. We posted Rumble, Odyssey, Gab, Parler, MeWe. I mean, it just goes on and on and on. And wait. I'm sure there's going to be another new one coming out today. So we'll have to figure out how to get on those two. But you can find the links on our website, grnonline.com forward slash CDT. Have I mentioned to you that somebody's going to be driving away in a brand new Mercedes coming at the end of February? I'm not sure I did. But, yeah, do you like Mercedes? Would you like to drive one possibly? Uh, Win one? That might be possible. You could be the winner of this Beautiful night black GLA 250 Mercedes 2022 model. And uh, all you need to do is purchase your car raffle tickets to participate. You can find the rules and how to purchase your tickets on our website at grnonline.com. Just scroll down so you see the image of the Mercedes. Or a better way, maybe not as convenient, I'm going to be honest with you, not as convenient but better in many ways is to contact your local GRN station manager and ask them how you might get your raffle tickets because it's a fantastic way to support your local radio station. And then maybe ask, how can I help you sell even more to support the local radio station? You can find their contact information on our website for sure. Go to grnonline.com for that as well. Good morning to you, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Joe. And speaking of cars, you know, we had an epic weekend, didn't we, on Friday? We did. (laughs) A redneck Friday. Oh yeah, yeah. We uh, you you needed a you needed a couch. It's true. And so Joe strapped a couch to his <laughs> roof rack, and we precariously drove down the uh, yeah, the, <laughs> down the highway. The with security it. guard came up and said, "This is the dumbest thing I have ever seen." 
If it's dumb and it works, is it dumb? Speaking of the dumbest generation, I'm 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 a Gen Xer, so I don't know what he's talking about. Like, I have never lost anything from the top of one of my vehicles, and uh, I did not lose your couch either. It's 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 generously sitting there in my couch. I mean, in my living room. So praise be to God. I'm so glad we survived that. It was. Yep. It was precarious. Harrowing. Harrowing. Speaking of which, Adrian Fonseca is here on the ones and twos. Good morning to you, Adrian. Good morning. Good morning. Praise be to God. It's good to be here. Yeah. Despite the fact that, uh, you know, You're a Gen we Zier. have. Well, no, it wouldn't. <laughs> doesn't matter to me. He's talking about millennials, so I'm good. Uh, I am safe. Uh, I am safe. I'm not sure his book is focused yeah. only on millennials. No, no, it totally Rudy, was. Are, Rudy, are you a millennial? Or I am, yeah. You? Okay, so you're like on the edge. Me am. Me, <laughs> me am I dumb generation. <laughs> <laughs> I was saying how I'm reading a book called uh, How to Read a Book. And I'm uh, I'm very confused because I can't read. I can't read the book. <laughs> I can't yeah. read. I, I, listen, I did not like to read as a kid. Uh, now I love to read, and the attention span is a thing. It's a thing. So, yeah. yeah. Less, less phone, more read. Equal better. <laughs> <laughs> At any rate, we're going to have a fun show this hour, so thank you for joining us for that. We're going to have a good news story coming up in just a moment, praise be to God. And then we'll have Saint of the Day, Gospel of the Day, and then we'll play our game Fear and Trembling with a brand new prize sponsor, praise be to God. I don't even know who it is. got to scroll down to see. Who is our sponsor this week? I'm looking forward to that. But that is coming up and at 15 past the hour. If you would like to be our very first contestant of the week, what you're going to need to do is call a phone number when I give it to you. And if you are the first caller, you get to play the game. You don't need to know the correct answers, so don't worry about it. But you do need to be the first caller. And if you want to hedge your bet, go to our website, click the Fear and Trembling link. It'll take you to where you can find that phone number. You can call early and settle on hold. That uh, website is grnonline.com forward slash cdt. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. And now your good news with Rudy Carlos. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Rudy Carlos here, and now your good news story for the day. Epic Times reports four young men push elderly woman's broken scooter home in storm. Be a hero for someone. Caught under a black sky and pouring rain, laden with groceries and a dysfunctional scooter, one elderly Florida woman needed an everyday hero. Instead of one, she got four. In a world where it may seem that genuine kindness and heroism are among the quality goods suffering from supply chain problems, these unexpected heroes were hanging out at a 7-Eleven in Seminole County, Florida. The four young men, seasonal workers doing a construction project at Rebounders, were on their break when they saw a woman in need. While others may have coveted precious break time, these men left what they were doing and pushed the woman, her scooter, and her groceries up to her home while shielding her from the pouring rain with an umbrella. Caddy Castro, who's 45, who has lived at the Florida Living Retirement Community for the last eight years, witnessed the kind act from her kitchen window and left her dishes to photograph the scene. She says, I was moved by their effort, she told the Epic Times. It was at least one half mile from where they found her. I saw them forward toward the end. 
but their smiles and laughs were contagious. They were not complaining, but were grateful that she was safe. To me, they are modern heroes. Stepping out of one's self away from what is convenient and comfortable for the service of another person takes selflessness, and selflessness is the stuff of true heroes who give of themselves for the good of others. The four men joyfully pushing the woman and her scooter up the street that day exhibited selflessness. Castor said the elderly woman who wishes to remain anonymous is very grateful to the young men for their selfless help. After I showed her the pictures, she was moved by their compassion. She called them my angels. Castor, who's a mom to two teenagers, two teenagers and has worked in recruitment and public relations for the last three years within the community, says heroism and small acts of kindness need not be in short supply. I believe anyone can make a difference and be a hero for someone else, she said. You can start with your neighbors, community, and city. When the four men were returning from helping the elderly woman with her scooter, Castro took the time to tell the men how she appreciated what they did for the woman who lived in her community, even though the woman was a complete stranger to them. She says, I saw their effort and kindness beyond measure, so I wanted to say thanks, she said. I believe that gratefulness is a necessity for our world today. I wanted to recognize their effort. I believe anyone can make a difference and be a hero for someone else. In times of hate, fights, and political rivalry, I want to show there is still kindness and gratitude around us. Perhaps Castor's acknowledgement of this small yet heroic act of kindness performed by four men in Florida will help inspire more heroic acts. Perhaps their action and her gratitude will lead to something catching, a pandemic of kindness and selfless heroism in our neighborhoods, classrooms, and streets. We could only hope for such a pandemic. And that's good news. The saint of the day is St. Peter Ursulus. He was born in 928 and was a Benedictine hermit. He was also known as Peter Orselio. He was a member of one of the most noble houses in Venice, and at the age of 20, he became an admiral in the Venetian navy. After a series of successful campaigns against the Dalmatian, uh, Dalmatian pirates, he was elected Doge of Venice in 967, supposedly securing his elevation by poisoning his predecessor, Peter Candini IV, as was charged by St. Peter Damien. For two years, Peter ruled with consummate skill, assisting Venice to weather a series of political crises. Then, without any warning and without informing his family, he disappeared from Venice and secretly entered the Benedictine Abbey of Cuxa and the Spanish Pyrenees. There, he devoted himself to a life of severe austerity and asceticism, working as a humble sacrist until St. Romuald suggested that he become a hermit. And so he did, and he lived alone until his death in 987. St. Peter Ursulus, pray for us. Praise be to God in all things. The Gospel today comes to us from Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 20. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then they left their nets and followed him. He walked along a little farther, and he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat, mending their nets. Then he called them. So they left their father Zebedee in the boat, along with their hired men, and followed him. The Gospel 
of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. St. Ignatius' commentary said, The impulse to abandon everything and follow Jesus highlights the surpassing excellence of the Christian discipleship over every other worldly pursuit. Uh, Praise be to God to that. Theophilicate, an archbishop in the 11th century, said this, For we must not allow any time to lapse, but at once follow the Lord. After these again, he catches James and John because they also, though poor, supported the old age of their father. Wherefore, there follows, and when he had gone a little farther thence, he saw James and John, son of Zebedee, but they left their father because he would have hindered them in following Christ. Do thou also, when thou art hindered by thy parents, leave them and come to God. It is shown by this that Zebedee was not a believer, but the mother of the apostles believed, for she followed Christ when Zebedee was dead. Close quotes. The applicant, pray for us. Adrian, what did you find? Yes, a few things here. Uh, Cornelius Lapide says, By this chariot of the four fishermen, we are carried up to heaven, as Elias was. On these four cornerstones, the church was first built. By four virtues, we are changed into the image of God. By being obedient by prudence, acting manfully by justice, and trampling on the serpent by temperance, and gaining the grace of God by fortitude. The office that says Peter, that is action, is first called, and afterwards John, that is contemplation. And so he's saying that, what he's saying here is that these, the four disciples that are the apostles that he's calling in this exact circumstances is reflecting four different virtues. And the four virtues that are that are displayed here are obedience, prudence, uh, action, manful action, and virtue. I mean, and justice. And so uh, these are the virtues that he's referring to here. He says Peter. He symbolizes the action because you know Peter is always the one who like gets out in the front. He says what he needs to say. You know, it shows the, the primacy of Peter by him always being the one to take uh, take a hold of the situation. Acts of the apostles. What does he do? He's the first person to give a sermon. Um, and then John. John, you know, the one who is after Christ's own heart, he's the one who laid on his breast and sinu yesu, and he is a symbol of contemplation to show forth that we need to have both the active and the contemplative life, especially as laymen. A lot of uh, religious may have more of an emphasis on the contemplative life, but we as laymen living in the world are called to both. We are called to live out our life and our daily actions and our work and our school, uh, but at the same time, we, ha- we cannot cast aside, we cannot disparage the fact that we have a contemplative calling in our lives. And these four virtues will help us in that obedience to correct and just, and just uh, requirements from our superiors, prudence and understanding and making decisions, justice and doing what is due to others, and ultimately what is due to God, and finally temperance, something that it directs all our actions and prevents us from going to excess in what is evil. Uh, so I think I'll leave it at that. So praise be to God. Uh, there's so much more here. And uh, as always, highly recommend checking out Cornelius Lapide's commentaries and reading his uh, passage there. You can get it for free. Just look up uh, the great commentary of Cornelius Lapide. Yeah, or you can get the Veraboom.com tool that we use to tie all of this together into the gospel passages every day. So thank you, Veraboom. That's with the V, V-E-R-B-U-M, Veraboom.com forward slash 
GRN for giving us the tool to dive deep. Praise be to God. All right, it's time to play our game, Fear and Trembling, and what we need is a caller on the line to be a contestant. You don't need to know the answers to the trivia questions. You could still win and not know a single one, and you might win prizes too. Praise be to God. But that phone number to call, and it's open right now, is 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424-877. 757-9424. Call right now. Be our first caller. And you can play the game Fear and Trembling. It's coming up next right after this break. That's 877-757-9424. We'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Fear and Trembling is up next. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Protestants like to use James 2, 10 through 11 against the Catholic doctrine of mortal and venial sin. Because James says, whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. But James can't be denying the doctrine of mortal and venial sin because in 1.15 he affirms it, saying that sin in its beginning stages doesn't bring death, venial sin, whereas it does in its more mature stages, mortal sin. The point James is making in James 2, 10 through 11 is that we must keep all the commandments in order to avoid incurring the guilt of transgressing the law. We can't say to the Lord on Judgment Day, Lord, I only broke one commandment but kept the other nine. So James 2, 10 through 11 is simply a misfire in trying to take down the Catholic belief of mortal and venial sin. I'm Carlo Broussard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, Catholic.com. For 2,000 years, we've helped the poor and comforted the sick. We've educated generations of children, developed the scientific method and college system. We support marriage and human life. Guided by the Holy Spirit, we compiled the Bible. We are the Catholic Church. With over one billion in our family, sharing in the fullness of Christian faith in the church started by Jesus. If you've been away, visit catholicscomehome.org today. Welcome home. Welcome to another round of Fear and Trembling, (laughs) the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot, 877-757-9424. And now, your host, Joe McClain. Praise be to Jesus Christ. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time and Fear and Trembling. The Catholic Trivia Game Show where we have a secret and hidden agenda. But what we need most, most, uh, more than me telling you all of my secrets and agendas, is a caller on the line to play our game. So that phone line is wide open at 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. If you've never played the game before, call now. It's a lot of fun. 
uh, we like to have a laugh, and uh, we like to laugh with you. So that phone number is 877-757-9424. If it's been a while since you played the game, call back. You get another opportunity, 877-757-9424. That's 877-757-9424. Now, here is the deal, though, if you are new uh, and you're like, what? In the, what, what are we? Okay, here's the deal. It's a Catholic trivia game show. I have three Catholic trivia questions in front of me, but I do not ask the caller the questions. So they don't need to know any correct answers, and they could still win. The reason is because instead of asking them, I will ask Rudy and Adrian, one of which will be correct, and the other will be incorrect. The caller will then have 15 seconds on the clock. Whom do they trust more, Rudy or Adrian? And then every correct answer goes into the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. But the real secret, the real agenda, and you got to promise not to tell anybody this, is we like to teach the faith. So we look for teachable moments in the questions where you might learn something about the Catholic faith you did not know before. Praise be to God. And then, of course, we like to laugh, and uh, we, we our callers tend to be a good time. They laugh with us. We enjoy that. And then we give out prizes, which means everyone wins in the end. Praise be to Jesus. Adrian, what could they win this week? <laughs> you mean Rudy? Rudy. The sponsor this this week is Holy Face Shop. The Holy Face Shop is a small business and Catholic apostle in Greenville, Texas, which creates hand-poured 100% beeswax candles and gifts in a wide variety of shapes and sizes. All of the work is done by the owner, a Catholic mom who has homeschooled her children for the last 25 years. Shop prices are intended to be as affordable as possible, and the shop thus is an apostolate. She ships worldwide. Check out her Holy Face Shop Etsy page or email holyfaceshop at gmail.com for custom orders. Our winner this week will receive a beeswax candle in the likeness of Our Lady of Fatima. Support the shop by purchasing some beeswax candles and get them blessed at a Latin Mass Parish on February 2nd, the Feast of the Presentation of the Lord, a.k.a. Candlemas. Yeah, praise be to God. All right. Thank you, Rudy. And thank you to our sponsor this week for giving us prizes to give away. Praise be to God. Holy Face Shop. Uh, we're grateful to you. All right. We, got, we did get a bunch of calls that came through. We are grateful to everyone who tries to call. If you don't get on today, call back tomorrow. Andrew, good morning to you. Thanks for calling in. Good morning, good morning. Praise be to God. Where are you from, Andrew? San Antonio, Texas. The great city of San Antonio, Texas. Now, just be clear, it's not great because I graduated high school from there. It was great already. Amen? Amen. Amen to that. And where did you go to school, <laughs> Andrew? I went to, I went to multiple high schools, Burbank High School, Kennedy, and Holy Cross. Oh, wow. I graduated from Burbank. Graduated from Burbank. Well, praise be to God, even if it's not Judson High School, I still give God some praise for that. Now, where do you go to church, Andrew? St. John Birchman Catholic Church. Nice. Well, we're grateful you are on the, the game today. Now, do you know how the game is played? Do you understand the rules? Yes, sir. All yes, right. Sir. Uh, this is my third time. Third time. So you are a veteran at this. Now, did you, have you played with Rudy on the show yet? No, I think when I played it, it was uh, I, the girl, Janice. Janice, yeah, Janice or Janelle. Janice. Yeah. yeah. Well, Rudy's new here, so just keep an eye out for the low curveballs to the right corner. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. All right, here we go. Right, speaking, right. speaking of Rudy, we're going to start with Rudy. Rudy, are you ready? I'm so ready. Are you sure? You listen to that hype music? I'm ready. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's do this. Rudy, can you tell me what is worn by a bishop 
during a pontifical mass that is made of silk. Pontifical mass, so all the regalia. Let's see. Uh, well, a bishop wears a miter, so I'm going to say it's a silk miter. Uh, a silk miter is your mm-hmm. answer. Mm. That's special to a pontifical mass? Uh, don't you need, like, a, a bishop for that? So okay. I, I'm thinking okay. if there's a bishop mm-hmm. there, you need a miter. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Adrian, can you tell me? Yes. What is worn by a bishop during a pontifical mass that is made of silk? Mm-hmm. I can tell you. Great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want me to actually give you the answer? Yeah, okay. Right. Right. Okay. Be right. more okay. optimal, I would argue. It's, it's often it's often excluded from the mass. You know, mm-hmm. bishops opt out of using it, but okay. they are mm-hmm. to wear silk gloves. Really? Mm-hmm. You can see famous pictures huh. of Fulton Sheen wearing them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I've seen those. It's pretty cool. Cardinal Burke. I think I might remember Cardinal some of Burke, those. Cardinal Burke. He wears those. Hmm. Interesting. But miter, something. Okay. Here's the deal, Andrew. Adrian seems to think it's silk gloves, whereas Rudy seems to think it's a silk miter. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? What say you, Andrew? Uh, This morning, I'm going to start out with Rudy. Let's go with Rudy, the miter. Are you sure? (laughs) In my defense, though... I thought I might have mentioned the low right corner curveball stuff. At any rate, uh, in (laughs) fact, it is the gloves, right? Uh, Miters, what are miters made out of? Anybody know? No idea. No idea. Cotton, probably. Cotton, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Polyester. Polyester. Probably polyester these days. Yeah. But in fact, it is gloves that during a pontifical mass are supposed to wear silk gloves. But now, now you know, right? Praise be to God. I think we can get yeah, you in this cup still. The second question. Uh, we're going to go to Adrian. Adrian, can you tell me? Uh-oh. From what religion did Unitarianism, Puritism, and Presbyterianism branch off mm. from? Uni- uh, Puritanism. That's the one that came to uh, to America, right? Yeah. Okay. Took over the Maryland colony. I'm just saying. Right. No bueno. Yeah, those guys, they came from, the three of them, uh-huh. they came mm-hmm. from Mohammedism. What? Mm-hmm. Mohammedism. Mohammedism. That's your answer. Or you can call it Saracism if you want. I mean, that's fine. I'll allow it. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh, hmm. Okay. Let's just see what Rudy has to say. Rudy, can you tell me, from what religion did Unitarianism, Purit- Puritism, Puritanism. I can't even say the word now. <laughs> Puritanism. And thank you. I appreciate that. And, and Presbyterianism. All three of those came from what religion? What was it? Well, I'm going to go with Calvinism. Really? Yeah. That's, uh, you know, big a big Protestant there. John Calvin. Yeah. There okay. We go. So your answer is Calvinism. Mm. Yes, sir. Andrew, here is the deal. Uh, Rudy seems to think Calvinism is the... The grandfather of those three versus Adrian says it was Mohammedism that uh, birthed Unitarianism, Puritanism, and and Presbyterianism. I can still say that word, Puritanism. Uh, thank you, a- Andrew. What say you? Is it a- is it Rudy? Is it is it Adrian? What do you say? I think Adrian is throwing the curveball this time, so I'm going to go with Rudy again. It, survey says. Got yeah. it. Got it. <laughs> right, Let's right, go. Right. All right. All right. All right. <laughs>
<laughs> Muhammadism. Good grief. Could you imagine the Puritan? Pur- the Puritans? Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> Why can't I say that word today? Puritanism. <laughs> Why is it escaping me? I have no idea. Congratulations, Andrew. You're in the cup. You could win. Praise be to God. I think we're going to get you in there for a second time, though. This is. Pro- I'm going to say okay. this is the easiest out of all three. I think this one's the hardest. <laughs> this is totally the easiest out of all three. It depends how they answer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Notice he didn't say it depends on me. I am on his side. Out of all right, three. totally. Mm-hmm. Okay, here we go. Back to Rudy. Rudy, can you tell me? How many disciples were there? There was uh, 70 to 72 disciples. Hmm, 70 to 72. Yep. Okay. Hmm. I think Luke's gospel said 72, right? So 70, 72. So you're in the ballpark. All right, so let's just see what uh, Adrian has to say. Adrian, can you tell me how many disciples were there? You can't trick me. I can't. I I heard Mm -hmm. there were 12 disciples. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mm. Jesus only had 12 disciples. <laughs> Andrew. Yeah, you're trying I'm to throw me a, sudden, a curveball there. No helpers, though? I'm all of a sudden feeling very bad for Andrew. Uh, this has become trickier than I expected. Okay. So the question is, how many disciples were there? <clears throat> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Uh, and uh, Brother Adrian says 12, but Rudy says 70 to 72. 15 seconds on the clock. Who is right? Who is wrong? Andrew, what say you? This is a tough one because Rudy already threw me a curveball. And 12, I'm thinking apostles. So I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Rudy. Survey says I was getting real nervous, Andrew. I'm going to be honest with you. Woo. I was, you nailed it. Congratulations. Dangerous. Awesome. Praise be to God. You're in for two. Just Keep knowing right. who tried to trick you. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Crazy. But you, you're in for two. You might win. In fact, the correct answer is 70 72. The, uh, the apostles were in a class of their own. At any rate, that's going to do it for today. We're going to put you on hold, Andrew. Again, thank you. Good to hear from you again. Happy New Year to you, but we'll get your number on hold just in case. If you can join us for the after show, we would love to have you hang out with us on our live video streams, YouTube, Facebook, Odyssey, Twitter, all of that linked up on our website. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Welcome to the Holy Mass at Our Lady of Corpus Christi Chapel. Today we celebrate the first 
Monday of Ordinary Time. The intention for today's Mass is for all our not online viewers and for those joining us through Guadalupe Radio. Holy God, we praise thy name. Lord of all, we bow before thee. All on earth thy scepter claim. All in heaven above adore thee. Infinite thy vast domain. Everlasting is thy reign. Infinite thy vast domain. Everlasting is thy reign. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And with your spirit. Brothers and sisters, let us acknowledge our sins and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. You were sent to heal the contrite of heart. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. You came to call sinners. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. You are seated at the right hand of the Father to intercede for us. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Amen. Let us pray. Attend to the pleas of your people with heavenly care, O Lord, we pray, that they may see what must be done and gain strength to do what they have seen. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. <clears throat> a reading from the beginning of the first book of Samuel. There was a certain man from Ramathaim, Elkanah by name, a Zuphite from the hill country of Ephraim. He was the son of Jeroham, son of Elihu, son of Tohu, son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. He had two wives, one named Hannah, the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah was childless. This man regularly went on pilgrimage from his city to worship the Lord of hosts and to sacrifice to him at Shiloh, where the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, were ministering as priests of the Lord. When the day came for Elkanah to offer sacrifice, he used to give a portion each to his wife Peninnah and to all her sons and daughters, but a double portion to Hannah, because he loved her, though the Lord had made her barren. Her rival to upset her turned it into a constant reproach to her that the Lord had left her barren. This went on year after year. Each time they made their pilgrimage to the sanctuary of the Lord, Peninnah would approach her, and Hannah would weep and refuse to eat. 
Her husband, Elkanah, used to ask her, Hannah, why do you weep, and why do you refuse to eat? Why do you grieve? Am I not more to you than ten sons? The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. To you, Lord, I will offer a sacrifice of praise. To you, to you Lord, Lord, I will, I will offer, offer a, a sacrifice, sacrifice of, of praise. praise. How shall I make a return to the Lord for all the good he has done for me? The cup of salvation I will take up, and I will call upon the name of the Lord. To you, to you Lord, Lord, I will offer a sacrifice of praise. My vows to the Lord I will pay in the presence of all his people. Precious in the eyes of the Lord is the death of his faithful ones. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your handmaid. You have loosed my bonds. To, to you, the Lord, I will offer a sacrifice of praise. My vows to the Lord I will pay in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord, in your midst, O Jerusalem. To you, to you Lord, Lord, I will offer a sacrifice of praise. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Mark. Glory to you, O Lord. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Then they left their nets and followed him. He walked along a little farther and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat mending their nets. Then he called them. So they left their father Zebedee in the boat, along with the hired men, and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Today, on the first Monday of ordinary time, following the baptism of the Lord, we have a living encounter with the living Lord Jesus Christ, who proclaims the gospel of God, that this is the time of fulfillment, and he states that the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. He goes on further to look at you and call you to go into his vineyard, to deny yourself, pick up your cross, 
and follow him, follow him right to becoming one with him, to going to the cross because that's the place where you become one with him, and to live your baptism in its fullness. Basically, we have a synthesis of the whole mission of Jesus Christ on this first Sunday, first Monday of ordinary time. Now, this time is not ordinary. As Catholics, our lives are not ordinary. Everything is extraordinary because it's done with grace and love. Being led by the Holy Spirit that Jesus won for us, living a life of faith, hope, and charity. We do little things which may look ordinary, but we do these little things with love, and that makes them extraordinary. But you need the faith vision to see that everything in your life is either willed or permitted by God. Everything that happens is either willed or permitted by God, and it's willed or permitted by God for his glory and our good. Alleluia. Praise the Lord. But we need a faith vision because sometimes we can get caught up in the evil that surrounds us, and people have that question, well, if God is so good, how can he permit evil? Well, he always draws a greater good out of everything. Look at the cross. In a certain sense, that's the greatest evil possible. It's not just homicide. It's not just fratricide, killing your brother. It's the attempt at deicide, an attempt to kill God. But from the cross come the sacraments, come our supernatural life in God. Praise the Lord. God draws a greater good out of everything. And in the end, he has the victory and will understand when we're in heaven, God willing, we'll have comprehension. But let's look at this gospel briefly because it is the outline of our program of discipleship for the year. It's a time of fulfillment, Jesus says, because Jesus is present. Remember, we just celebrated Christmas recently. God's love was made visible. God assumed our human nature. God is present among us. He is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. He's God among us, and he's present to us. So the kingdom of God is at hand. But remember, the kingdom of God is principally the lordship of Jesus Christ in your life, the active lordship. Jesus is the Lord. So you ask the Lord before you do things, Lord, do you want me to do this? How do you want me to do this? To what extent do you want me to do this? We do God's will. And then the Lord says, repent and believe in the gospel. Repent means to have a living encounter with the living Lord Jesus Christ that's going to change your heart and your mind. You see, what we're called to do is to have was a Greek word, metanoia, to go beyond our little limited vision of things in this world and to examine the reason why we do things. Do we do things because Jesus taught them, because Jesus did them? And we don't do things because Jesus didn't do them? We have to examine our reasons for doing things. 
Do we do them because they're the will of God? Do, they, we, do we do them with great love? You see, ultimately, this is all to bring us to respond to the universal call to holiness. We're all called to be saints. And so this leads to the call of Simon and Andrew and James and John. And you, Jesus looks at you and he calls you. He says, go into my vineyard, deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me, become a saint, become like me, think the way I think. First of all, see the way I see, think the way I think, speak the way I speak, act the way I act. We ask the Blessed Virgin Mary, the greatest of all saints, and our mother, to help us to have the graces to encounter Jesus, to repent, believe the good news, have a change of mind and heart, true conversion, and to become the saints we're created to be. Amen. We now stand to place our prayers and petitions with faith and confidence in the hands of our Blessed Mother to present to God on our behalf. For the Holy Father and the leaders of the church, for them to actually have a conversion, we all need conversion. For their conversion, in order to lead others to conversion, we pray to the Lord. Lord, Lord hear, hear our, our prayer. prayer. For those with civic and government authority, meant to serve God's people and serve God's will, may they have a conversion of heart so that they may protect life as sacred from conception and natural death and marriage is between one man and one woman, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. That all Catholics will give themselves to God totally, to live their baptism radically, no more lukewarmness, but to set the world on fire with divine love, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For the sick and the suffering and the relief and the release of the holy souls in purgatory, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for sending us Jesus Christ, our Lord, the fulfillment of the law and the prophets, the Lord of lords and King of kings. Anoint us in the Holy Spirit to be faithful members of the kingdom of God and to live our baptism faithfully. We ask this through Christ, our Lord. Amen. Let all mortal flesh keep silence and with fear and trembling stand. Ponder nothing earthly-minded, for with blessing in his hand, Christ our God to earth descendeth. Our full homage to demand. King of kings, yet born of Mary, as on old on earth he stood, Lord of lords in human vesture, in the body and the blood, he will give to all the faithful his own self for heavenly food. Pray, brothers and sisters, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. 
May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for our good and the good of all his holy church. May your people's oblation, O Lord, find favor with you, we pray, that it may restore them to holiness and obtain what they devoutly entreat. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God, through Christ our Lord. In him you have been pleased to renew all things, giving us all a share in his fullness for though he was in the form of God, he emptied himself, and by the blood of his cross brought peace to all creation. Therefore he has been exalted above all things, and to all who obey him has become the source of eternal salvation. And so with angels and archangels, with thrones and dominions, and with all the hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory, as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus. Sanctus Dominus Deus Sabaoth, plenis uncelli et terra, gloria tua, hosanna in excelsis, benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, hosanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The mystery of faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. 
Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, and Michael, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, with Blessed Joseph, her spouse, with the blessed apostles and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. At the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, Our Father, Our Father who art in heaven, heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy, we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress, as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Amen. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And with your spirit. Let us offer each other the sign of peace. On you stay, quit all is mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, quit all is mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, quit all is mundi. Behold the Lamb of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, Lord I am I'm not worthy, worthy that you should enter under, under my roof, but only, only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly, says the Lord. 
an act of spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. Love divine, all loves excelling, joy of heaven to earth come down. Fix in us thy humble dwelling, all thy faithful mercies crown. Jesus, thou art all compassion, Pure, unbounded love thou art. Visit us with thy salvation. Enter every trembling heart. Come, Almighty, to deliver. Let us all thy grace receive. Suddenly return and never, never more thy temples leave. Thee we would be always blessing, serve thee as thy hosts above. Pray and praise Thee without ceasing, glory in Thy perfect love. Finish then Thy new creation, pure and spotless let us be. Let us see thy great salvation perfectly restored in thee. Change from glory into glory till in heaven we take our place, till we cast our crown before thee, lost in wonder, love, and praise. Let us pray. Humbly we ask you, Almighty God, be graciously pleased to grant that those you renew with your sacraments may also serve with lives pleasing to you through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Benedicat vos omnipotens Deus, Pater et Filius et Spiritus Sanctus. Amen. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alma. The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. 
Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world seeking the ruins of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord, amen.